You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, hey, buckle up, get your notepads out, because we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. Today's going to be a good day. Can I just preload this thing? I'm going to give it to you real. I'm going to give it to you straight. Okay? If you go to church and you never get offended, never get hurt, I'd question how big your God is because your God should stretch you. Your God should grow you. He should pull you upward because that's what he says he does. The, the way of the righteous spirals upward, Bible says. All right? And so we're in our new series, The Future is Family. The Future is Family. I want to I impart a little wisdom here. Any world, so no worldview, no, no ideology is ever going to come out and say, we're evil, come join us. <laughs> it's not how they work. They're going to package, even the Bible says, even Satan comes disguised as an angel of light, right? They're going to package it with nice Christian words, right? Yeah. right? Compassion, sometimes good words, but you can call anything, you know, call a bad idea anything. It's the fruit that we look for. So any worldview that doesn't value the nuclear family is coming from a bad place. I'm going to tell you, God invented husband, wife, kids, and invented that. And that's his original intention. Okay? And so if, if you're listening to a news station... That's like, oh, you know, we need more control of the school education system, all that. I'm telling you, you're, you're, that's coming from a place where the most important thing in a child's life is mom and dad. And that's what God intended. Now, sometimes God's amazing, you know. Life happens, sin happens, stuff happens. Sometimes it's a, somebody stepping in as dad role model, stepping in as mom role model. And that's good, too. That's good. That's, that's somebody saying we're going to fill the gap because we know what intention should be. All right, so the future's family, we're talking about the importance of family. Family is, is purely a God thing, right? Yeah. Now, most of us get all our issues from our family, so we're a work in progress. <laughs> but the original intent is God's idea, right? And we're just working that out. So today, I'm actually going to talk about marriage. Now, if you're not married whether you're a young adult or, or you've been married and you're not now, whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. I still want you to lean in. Yeah. I still want you to lean in because the principles of a relationship are going to apply. They're going to help your life in all relationships, right? right? Not just romantic. Right. And also they'll begin, if you apply these things actually in your leadership and your work and just begin to apply them as a person, you'll be, if, so if you want to get married, I'm telling you, you start applying these things, you're going to attract the right kind of person. So I wish someone would have told me how to be married before I was married. Okay? Thank God. In his grace, he gave me an angel. But there were a couple traps along the way that almost snagged me, right? <laughs> oh, man, I hope no exes listen to my <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the title of my message is An Awakened Marriage. An awakened marriage. Oh, good. They made the title. Let's go. I'm going to read a scripture, and then we're going to get to it. I'm going to go quick. I got eight things I want to talk about. Four things we champion in marriage in our church. Four things that we ruthlessly want to fight against as a community. Make sure that our marriages don't have these things. So, first we're going to get to it, because here's, here's a preface it. <clears throat> 
I'm very intrigued by marriage because if we have healthy marriages in our church, we'll have a healthy church. Because how you treat your bride is how you're going to treat his bride. And if you're not married, how you treat his bride, if you learn how to do that, is how you're going to treat your bride. So there's a symmetry. In fact, uh, Paul's writing about marriage, and then he gets this Holy Spirit download, and he's like, "Uh, I'm actually talking about Jesus in the church. I don't fully understand it because I'm not married, but I think I'm on to something here. So I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that scripture. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Oh, starting off with that. Time out. Time out. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. He ain't talking to you. So don't use this scripture. Don't use this to lord over your wife. Focus on your part. We're going to get to it in a minute. Okay? And I'm going to unpackage the word submission. Because that means coming under a mission. So is the mission big enough? in your marriage, but we'll get to that, okay? But wives, you, you take that. We're not going to use it on you, okay? <laughs> Never seen fruit from a husband being like, hey, you know, I mean, I've left my Bible open at that scripture on her bed. <laughs> like, but I would never say, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's see. You know what? Let's just skip to the guy part. uh, Husbands, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's a big ask, dudes. Tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. You can use the the first scripture on your wife when you are 100% as good at loving your wife as Jesus is. Good luck. <laughs> yep. Uh, cl- uh, let's see. My husband's love your wife. There we go. Verse 26. Uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing water by the word. What you say matters, husbands. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love... Boy, he really goes hard on the husbands, guys. Just saying. So husbands ought to uh, love, their, love their own wives. That's a good one. As their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. But as the Lord does, <clears throat> just as the Lord does to the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's where he gets confused. Like, wait a minute, I'm not even talking about marriage anymore. (laughs) But marriage is so important to God. He uses it. It's the closest thing he can find to how he feels about the church. Right? And so we get marriage right. And look, you know, there's been... Look, I, I love church. I love seeing people get saved. I love seeing the world, life's transformed. I love it. I, I live it. I eat it. I breathe it. But if I'm having to sacrifice my wife and my love for my wife to do it, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. The thing that God says most symbolizes, uh, most symbolizes his love for the church should not be breaking the thing he gave me, which is my marriage. <clears throat> 
However, I want to just give this caveat. Some people, instead of dealing with the root issues of their marriage, will use their marriage as a cop-out to actually be involved in the church. And I just want to just put that out there. Let's deal with the root issues because the church will only grow your marriage. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. So, awaken marriage. Point number one. No particular importance order. Just these are the eight points. We prioritize date night. Actually, that's the most important one. Love you, baby. (laughs) We prioritize date night. Guys, right after Super Bowl. Right after Super Bowl is Valentine's Day. Don't screw up. <laughs> you buying your wings and your burgers for the barbecue, make sure you book a date, okay? This is your welcome, okay? Get the flowers, get the present, don't screw up, okay? Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 10, I love the way the message puts it, uh, but it translates in all of them. It says, seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with robust heart. Yep. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. This one's for my wife. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colored scarves. I was going to be naughty, but it's not in the scripture, so I won't say it. It's going to impart some other outfit ideas. Anyways, relish life. Relish, relish life with your spouse. You're, uh, with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. <laughs> I think Solomon, when he wrote Ecclesiastes, was just in a little bit of like a... He was wise, but might have been slight funk, you know? <laughs> precarious life. But the point is this, that the source of joy, the well of joy in your life can and should be your marriage. But we've got to add value. Why are we big on date nights? Look, we're, we believe in honor. And I'll be honest, my wife has never like stormed in and be like, if it's not a five-star restaurant, I'm done with you. <laughs> if it's not the best, but she's, she's never put that pressure on me. But, but I like to make sure that I can look at my bank statement at the end of the week and go, there's value. I can... That receipt last night, day night, that proved you're valuable. See, the, the, <laughs> the tip scares me. You know, like I want, I want to make sure I'm putting value. I need that for me. Yeah. I need that for me. I need to, and I'll kind of break this down a little more, but here's the beautiful thing about women. Women inherently, God made them to be multipliers. Yeah. You notice that God didn't tell Adam to be fruitful, multiply until he made a woman. Then he's like, okay, now we can multiply and things can get fruitful. But if you notice, this is just inherent trend. Uh, very simple. Uh, Scott and Jenny learned this. You give a woman a seed and she'll give you a baby nine months later. She multiplies, right? But you give, a, you give your wife a house and it becomes a home. I remember when we bought our house, I just felt like every day I walked in, I'd be like, why is there more stuff in here? <laughs> Where did that couch come from? It just, the, the, the house became full because my wife makes things beautiful. You know, we planted a garden and I'm like, yeah, tomatoes. But then next thing you know, she's got like, you know, homemade spaghetti. She's, she's multiplying. She's multiplying. Thing is, you don't get to pick. They're going to multiply everything you give. So if you're giving a lot of 
contention, a lot of dishonor. You ever notice the proportions sometimes? I'm just going to talk to you guys for a minute, okay? This is, sometimes when you're in an argument, it seems like the, the proportion of where we went maybe is a little skewed. Like, you know, you might start off with like, oh, the chicken seems like it's maybe a little overcooked. And then the next response is, I've never felt love in our relationship. <laughs> and you're like, well, that escalated. <laughs> come on, come on, get an amen. Sometimes guys, we're like, whoa, whoa, okay. <laughs> multiply, multiply, multiply. Okay, we prioritize date night because I want to I wanna add, my wife adds so much value to my life, I want to add value to her, wow. right? And the connection, intimacy. God doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. He actually wants intimacy with you. And the same is true in a marriage. We gotta, we gotta stop sometimes being mom and dad. We gotta stop sometimes being, you know, the bankers of the household and running the finance and doing all, we gotta, we gotta pull away and just be lovers. So we prioritize that. We make time for it. That's good. All right, I gotta keep going. I have too many, mess, too many points. All right, number two, we prioritize the mission. I want to go back to that scripture, the one that everyone's like, oh, he just started there. That was rough. It says, wife, submit to your husbands. Okay? Submission is coming under a mission. And I want to challenge us to have big marriages in Awakened Church that the marriage dream and vision for the marriage and the mission for the marriage is so big that both parties and the kids, everyone's included, we are on a family mission. You have to include... Can, once again, I'll talk to you guys. Can you create a mission for the family big enough that your wife goes, I'm, going, I'm, I'm down to get down on that. Let's go. I'll hitch, I'll hitch my pony to that. Let's go. I want to, I want to go there. You know, and, and it doesn't include her. When we were uh, engaged, Lorenz's aunt bought us dance lessons. Uh, like, you know, we planned the whole perfectly synchronized dance. and So that was rough. But anyways. Uh, <laughs> so we go to these dance lessons. And, uh, you know, the instructor was saying, like, I had to lead. I'm like, I, I don't want to be here, you know. But, <laughs> but he said, you have to lead. And then he said, the reason you're leading is to highlight her beauty. You've got to move her in the right place. She's kind of more the focus. Isn't that a lot how Jesus treats us? He's God Almighty, but he dies for us. He, he begins to pour in and love on us. And so does your mission include, do you know what your wife is great at? And is the mission, are you building that? And I see a lot of wives doing this. Just chill. We're we're working on it, ladies. (laughs) Okay. But, you know, we believe in having a mission for the family. It becomes a lot easier for this relationship to work. One, I get a ton of feedback from my wife. I know where she's gifted and there are plenty of things where I'm like, babe, what, what do you think? You know, but this whole lead and serve, I've got to activate the laying down my life and getting a mission big enough that me, my wife, my kids, all of us, and we come together on this mission, right? I, I get her input on where are we going? What are we doing? And then we go. And so we are big on having a mission for your marriage. Have some goals that you're going to try to hit. You want to be moving forward. Number three, we prioritize community. Ecclesiastes, again, 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 
For if they fall, one will lift the other one, uh, lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, amen, they will keep warm. In the context of marriage, people. Uh, But how can one be warm alone? Though you may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. This verse is about friendship. Because the Bible says when a married couple gets married, they become one. You do not want to be the married couple that is just you two against the world. Isolation in any form is where the devil likes to do most of his work. He, he can get in the marriage if the marriage is isolated. We are a church that believes in being real and authentic. That's why we have connect groups. Come on, Bogles. I love connect groups. Let me tell you what getting in, in, a, in a spirit-filled live church meant for me and my wife when we went to our first connect group. Our old connect group there was Stacy Capaldi. And we realized, like, hey, this is a place we can be real. We can be honest. So we'd be going to church, and honestly, for probably the first six months, maybe a year of going to church, we'd walk into church, and my wife would veer off and go to our connect group, and she'd be like, guess what me and Matt are fighting about right now? And I'd be like, whoa, babe, come on, you know? But, but there was just this openness that we're real people. And you know what? Your marriage is working if there's sparks. It is. It's what, that's the iron sharpens iron. Sometimes there's sparks. Sometimes there's a lot of sparks. Sometimes there's a little bit. But there's going to be, mo- there's going to, there's this, this tensions. There's fights. There's fights. And it's so good. Now, listen, I'm not talking about, so here's what's not good, authentic, like, transparency and community. Posting on your Facebook about the fight you just had with your spouse. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not even going to just stop. Okay. We don't throw our spouse under the bus. But we do need people in our world that we can call, you know, I can call Pastor Andy and go, bro, I think I'm being a jerk to my wife, got in a fight, pretty sure it's my fault. And he can go, yeah, it is your fault, you know, and then, (laughs) what he usually said, no, but uh, we need friends, we need people in our world, we need community, and I want to encourage you too, and I want to make this clear. You should have like a good diverse community, but also if you're married and all your friends, all of them aren't, that you don't have that, that proper outlet. Not that we have unmarried friends that add a ton of value to our world. So it doesn't mean they're not a valuable friend, but you need to make sure, listen, I try to surround myself with people that have fruit I want in my life. So I see somebody, you know, married or not, I see somebody who's killing it in business and is generous. I would like to get around them because I want that fruit, right? But I do want to have people that are married that have the fruit in their marriage. And I'm like, I would like to look like them in the next couple of years. We do community together. How you get a community is you got you to gotta step out. Go over to that table and get yourself in a connect group. Some of my, I, I said it today, some of my best friends in the world, the people that like come stay in my house, I was in a connect group with. And they know, they like have walked and we've walked together. All right. So we prioritize community. We're moving along. We prioritize church. Hebrews ten twenty five says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now in the day of, of his return drawing near. I'm not going to get into if it's the end times or whatever. We'll deal with that later. But the point is, don't neglect the coming together. 
I'm so thankful, even though I didn't grow up really in like a spirit-filled atmosphere, it was never a negotiable in the Tuggle household if we went to church on Sunday. I remember thinking when I was like 17, I was just like, oh man, cool to sleep in. I could drive. I'm, I'm an adult. And so I didn't go to church one Sunday. Oh man, my mom, where were you? I was like, I slept in. What? I mean, it was like, oh, we don't do that, do we? Mm-mm. Tuggles go to church on Sunday. Tuggles go to two services and they serve on Sunday. That's what we do, right? And so I'm thankful for that. But now I'm, I've realized, you know, getting in a spirit-filled church and the word of God actually getting in my heart and beginning to percolate and, uh, and, and begin to sprout. I'm like, man, why would I miss getting the word of God in me? Because my life keeps getting better. And, I, and why would I miss being a part of it? Why would I miss being a part of the altar call team and helping people, you know, introducing them to Jesus or reconnecting with Jesus? Why would I be, not be a part of helping people at the church? Why would I not be involved? And I'll say this too, just for kids' sake. Some people, I, deep down inside, like they value church. They, they, they know church is important. They value it. But, you know, if you've got kids... They're never gonna, their, their value is dictated by what you do, not what you say. If you're like, oh man, we had a, we had a baseball tournament on Saturday and we were, got home at midnight and you're like, ah, oh, we can just, it's fine guys, let's miss it. I'm not trying to bring condemnation here. I'm just saying, let's, let's pivot because we set the bar for our kids. We tell them what's valuable based off of our time. We spend time with them because they're valuable, Right. So it's our, it's our example and our model we set, right? And your life just gets better, man. Like I've had, to, and we're all human. Let's, let's level set. I'm the pastor and there are some days I've drove up here and I'm like, I really don't want to go to church today. <laughs> There's a football game on, I want to sleep, you know, like I, I, just being real. But then by the end of church, I'm like, why would I have ever, oh God. Like second, usually second, third song, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I love you. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the Sundays you don't want to go are the Sundays the preacher's going to give you a message that's just for you. I pro- every time I went to church, even before being a pastor, I went to church and I didn't want to. I was like, dang. So prioritize church. Okay. Now, like I said, there's an ebb and flow. How you treat his bride's how you're going to treat your bride. And how you treat your bride's how you're going to treat his bride. And so we get around the bride. You know, you might get a breakthrough in your marriage by serving on a team. Because you realize, man, I'm being really, uh, all these ushers I work with, I've been kind of mean and critical. And maybe one of your leaders sits down and goes, hey, man, you're kind of jerk. (laughs) We know that's not who you really are, but you're acting like a jerk. So, and then you go, oh probably being a jerk at home too. And then you go back and ask your wife, hey baby, oh yes, you have been, you know, like, (laughs) but we just have this interaction, right? We're meant to serve our bride, serve his bride. We learn how to serve better, right? So anyways, I'm not going to kill that one. Here we go. These next four are the things we have to fight with all our strength to not allow to go unchecked in our marriage. Because they're actually dubbed the four horsemen. And that comes from Revelations. These are the four horsemen uh, that 
if they are left unchecked in your marriage, are guaranteed fail for your marriage. Guarantee. This is, this is unanimously, marriage counselors all over the country use these, these, these are the critical four horsemen that'll train wreck you. You're like, wow, how does Matt know what counselors use? Because I've been in counseling with my wife and we had a few of the horsemen, so we had to fix it, okay? We are, we are for whatever it takes. You got to get into counseling, you go to counseling, baby. Put some value on it. If the date nights are just train wrecking every week, maybe date night needs to be a counselor for a couple weeks till you kind of recalibrate and then... Do counts, but we're for it, okay? So, first, first of the four horsemen. An awakened marriage, we don't use criticism. Criticism is one of the lethal, one of the more lethal ones in the group. Luke 6, 37 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it's measured back to you. Find that criticism often when we get down to the root actually is rooted more in people having a critical spirit about themselves. And so there's usually some hurt behind it. So if you have a critical spouse, begin to ask the Holy Spirit and pray because there's probably, they're probably turning that same energy on themselves. Right, right. Might not say it, but there's a thing there. But criticism is very dangerous. As I said before, men, let's talk about criticism, what we're doing. Women are multipliers. <laughs> so you, you keep hitting that at criticism. And you know, women inherently, have, I usually have a little more emotional intelligence so they can withhold saying something they shouldn't say for a time, you know. But, but if you're just putting seeds in there, criticism, wow. criticism, wow. criticism. Yeah. Just know it's beginning to percolate. Yeah. And, you know, you have a good Christian wife who's trying to forgive you and, and doing all the things. But as the Bible said, your water uh, says, husbands, like Jesus waters with his words. Yes. What are you watering? Are you highlighting the things she's great at? Because right. where, wherever your words go, that's what you're watering. Yeah. So you're going to see like, man, babe, you're the best. You're the best cook in the world. Next thing you know, it seems like, whoa, she cooked again. Cool. <laughs> right? What we praise, we get more of. Right. What we highlight, we get more of. Yeah. Nobody married a perfect spouse. Okay? Come on. So I says, take, I was about to say, take the log out of your own eye first. There's enough work to do on you to not be critical on your spouse, right? right. right? Now, wives, I like to use this analogy. Uh, where am I? Oh, yep. There's a reason beyond the skirts and stuff why men are attracted to cheerleaders. Yeah. Honestly, there's a, there's a deeper seated reason. There's something so cool about someone who up or down, win or lose, through the game, is just going, you got this. You got this, baby. You're, you're going to win. You got this. Now, you could be that person to your husband, the cheerleader, who's he's like, all right, I like her. <laughs> or you can be the fat, out-of-shape coach. <laughs> when I played football, my coach was Coach Hogwood. 
His name fit his physique perfectly. <laughs> Big old gamer in his lip and just, turn up! You ran that play like an idiot! Pull your head out, son! I appreciated my coach because he was there for that purpose. I never once wanted to take him on a nice date. <laughs> Thought never crossed my mind. In fact, after practice, I was pretty determined not to see him again. But he spent most of his day pounding on me, trying to make me better. Good intention. But all he would talk about is where I didn't run the play right. You know, what I, what I need to do better. And wives, you might have good intention for your husband. If you would just, if you stop always. But if, if all the, the criticism is focused, you're, you're shifting in his mind away from cheerleader to Coach Hogwood. <laughs> and then you're like, why doesn't he? I got dressed up, he didn't even notice. The criticism. We don't want to camp there. Jesus doesn't criticize. He points out things, but he always points out things in a way. He says, hey, son, daughter, that's not you. That's not your destiny. That's not your purpose. Like, I made you with, I have, look at all these things I say about you that are positive, that are good. I'll point, he points it out. And I'm not saying that we live in this fake marriage where you never talk about your needs or what you need or something hurt your feelings, but there's a difference from a critical spirit. So let me give you some practical things. Stop using the words always, you always, or you never. That's an immediate shutdown. (laughs) Like, well, if I never. And I'll just say this last thing too, especially in men, but but it's human nature. Most people don't want to compete if there's no possibility of victory. So if 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 you can't see a way to victory, if my wife doesn't give me breadcrumbs, like, honey... You're such a man when you take the trash out. (laughs) She's a cheerleader, right? Rah, rah. Guess what? I'm going to go find more trash. I'm going to get, I'm going to make trash just so I can get that. Because that was awesome. Or wives. Hubby does take you out on a nice date night. Let him know it's appreciated. He'll be like, we should do date night every week. (laughs) When we know how to win... And it goes both, that goes both ways. Husbands, come on, like, let's, let's, let's show each other how to love each other with praise and affirmation and have real honest conversations. Last thing I'll say about, um, about conversations, because you know what? You also don't want to be a pushover. It's your fault if your spouse doesn't know with you what you want if you've never said it. They are not mind readers. But you don't want to be the person that never says it, never says it, then just blows up one day, right? So a healthy way to say it. One, when you're in an argument, keep the argument about the argument. Don't bring in the, all the other times he or she has done this over the last 20 years of marriage, right? It's just, it's just wisdom. If you said, I forgive you the last time they did that, then that's off limits for this argument. Just talk about this thing. Just talk about, hey, when you did this today, it made me feel like this. And then you just let, it, let, it, let them have that. Be truthful in communication. Then make a decision to forgive and not bring it up again. Okay? It's amazing. My wife's gotten really good at this, but I was always amazed at her memory. Like, how? 
You can remember the date, the time, what I was wearing when I said that thing 10 years ago. (laughs) Shut that down. Okay, here we go. Where I'm at, we don't use criticism. Number six, we can bring the keys up. I'm gonna close this down. We don't use the silent treatment. This is a really big one, actually. It might not seem like a big deal, but it's an insanely massive deal in a marriage. Can I just tell you, too, all these four horsemen, if we really go back, we probably learned them before our marriage. And what's brutal is that instead of going back and letting Holy Spirit heal our past, we're just in this boxing match of my issues, your issues, my issues. And if you would just change, it started before, started before you got married. But the silent treatment is so deadly. Whoa. Somebody just knocked their husband out? (laughs) I love preaching on this topic, man, because like, honestly, a lot of husbands, you are like, whoa. Bro, <laughs> chill, bro. <laughs> don't start none, there won't be none. <laughs> no, don't use the silent treatment. See, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, and it does not demand its own way. Jesus said to his disciples, that if a city won't listen to you, if they shut you down, they say, we're done here. He said, it's not worth it. Shake, your, shake the dust off. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you shake the dust off of your marriage. You fight for your marriage. But listen, when we do the silent treatment, we are switching into complete control and manipulation. I will not acknowledge your existence until you do what I want. Love cannot live in that ecosystem. It's like planting an avocado tree in the middle of winter up there on the Wasatch. It's not going to work. I know because I miss avocados, okay? It's not, <laughs> it's not going to survive in that ecosystem. And actually, it is manipulation. It's witchcraft. And it has to be squashed out. Now, let me talk about healthy. It is okay when an argument's getting to a place where you know you're about to say something you wish you hadn't said to say, hey, can we time out? I need to cool down for a minute. I need to compose myself. I need to think it through. I need to process a little bit, but I'm coming back to this because you're not dead to me. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 15, I believe it is, it says that to foster anger is the same as murder. So you're walking around, you're just in your, by silent treatment, you're just murdering them. You are not alive to me. You have no value outside of you doing what I want. So I will shut down all relational contact. We've got to weed that out. Okay? And I'm not, well, I didn't have, it's <laughs> probably some good feedback. Amen. Amen, Pastor. We've got to shut that down. So even if you find you doing that to your friends, if you're not married right now or you're young adult, somebody crosses you on Instagram or whatever, and you just, I'm not going to text them back for three weeks. Careful. We don't want to play with that. It's a breeding ground for unhealthy relationships. Okay. Next one. 
We aren't defensive. This one's so important. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Defensiveness is when you have an area where your spouse can never go. You say, you never go there. And they know it too, because it's instant, right? It's, it's boom, we will be at 10 out of 10 fight if you talk about X or we bring up Y. We have these walls. And always behind those walls is some deep hurt that we're worried if they get in, I'm gonna get hurt even more. It's not healed right. It's not healed right. But defensiveness is so toxic. Give you an example. It's deep. I once had an iguana. We were in Cabo this last week, and these iguanas, they like big, you know, beautiful iguanas, and they just throw them on you, and they just sit there, and you take a picture with them. And I remember being a kid, and I think we went to Mexico, and I was like, dude, I'm going home, and I'm getting an iguana. And I saved up my money, and I went to the pet store, and I got an iguana, big old crocodile-looking thing. And I'm like, this, we're going to be best friends, man. I got him an iguana leash, like a walk-em. It's a true story. Me and Iggy, we're going to roll. I, I'm like, I, I'm the only kid. I was kind of always obsessed with that. Like, I had to have, like, a remote control car that no one else. Anyways, I'm like, I have an iguana, and all the kids in the neighborhood are going to be envious of me and Iggy. And so the pet store guy, after I buy it, goes, hey, by the way, you got to hold that thing every day or it won't be nice. I'm like, yeah, cool, 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 man. He wasn't lying. Iggy was a beast. Iggy bit me every time I try to feed him. He'd whip me with his tail. And those tails are like whips, man. I, I still have scars from Iggy. And I tried for like months Mind you, I'm a little kid. Months was like my whole life. I was like, I have spent my whole life, Iggy, trying to love you, lizard. And all you do is whip me and bite me. I'm coming in with lettuce, man. Finally, I gave up. Don't call Pete on me. I was a kid, but I gave up. I'm like, Iggy, you're staying in the aquarium the rest of your life, man. Enjoy your heat rock. I'll throw some lettuce in there. But we're done here, dude. We could have rolled, bro. I had a leash. (laughs) But that's when you're a defensive person, you're Iggy. People are going to try to love you their best. But when you got those areas where it's a no-fly zone, that's an area they don't get to know you. And look, I'm not saying there's nuances to this. Maybe the area where you're defensive is from a past betrayal or hurt. And it's where we say, like, we'll get, we'll get... We'll get behind you. We'll, we'll encourage you to do counseling. You gotta, you gotta fight for it. Some of it is not, I'm giving you cookie cutter advice, but the actual hashing it out, there's some sparks, iron sharpening iron. It's gonna get messy. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. In fact, I guarantee you guys, if you've been married for a while and you haven't took your wife on a date in a long time, the first one's gonna suck. Cause she's gonna realize he hasn't been doing this. We've been so busy. He, that, oh. <laughs> okay? But you, but you got to go back to it and back to it and back to it. Okay, last one. So don't be a defensive person. Be a person that someone can talk to about anything. One thing I, I, I constantly protect my heart of is 
I pay very close attention. If someone asks me a question and I get triggered, I ask myself, why? What's my issue that's causing their question to, to punch you, bro? Okay. Unless the question is, can I take your wife out? Then I, then I'm justified. I will be. No, I'm just kidding. No one's ever asked that. They've thought it, I'm sure. But anyways, Jesus help me. Come back. Come back, Holy Spirit. Last one. We don't carry contempt. Contempt, by definition, is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration. The scariest thing in a marriage is when you stop fighting. Is when there's no more sparks. When you've settled for roommateness. And I know, I know, look, I've had to take a look in the mirror and look at myself and go, man, I'm... We're roommates right now. We're just, we're just staying busy because we have a mission. That's the beautiful thing about having a mission for your life. And it is sometimes it, it's a glue that will hold you together until you get your act together, right? That's why being in community, sometimes it's your friends that are married that say, trust me, it gets better. It's the glue when you got to go in and do some hard work, when you got to go fix, repair, work on yourself, get yourself healthy, community, church, date nights, routine. These are all things that help, but we're all going to have that. If you're married, you're all going to have that moment where you're just, the Holy Spirit's going to whoop you upside the head and be like, hey, you're not. There's no fight for each other anymore. There's no, you know, so be it. We'll, we'll fight, but I want to fight not fight back to back when we might be fighting, but we're also, we're, we're fighting, protecting each other, right? We're, we're, we're disagreeing, but we are also protecting each other. And if there's no fight, that's where we need to just say, Jesus, come back in because you can help me forgive what I haven't been dealing with and I haven't forgiven. You can help me heal the wounds of my childhood or the wounds of my upbringing that I'm bringing into this marriage. And only you, Holy Spirit, you're the counselor. You got dubbed that name. You're my counselor. I need you to start to fix me so I can fix this. I find that whenever I ask the Holy Spirit to sick my wife, I'm like, go get her, Holy Spirit. She's out of line. He's, he's a punk. He's always on her side. He's like, no, you're out of line. That's my daughter. I made her pretty special. You're kind of sabotaging that. But let me show you, son. You're taking this that you learned over here and you're applying it over here and you need to, you need to deal with that. You need to forgive your mom. You need to forgive your dad. You need to release. You need to honor switch, but we don't want to let contempt grow. If your marriage doesn't feel worth it, we're going to have ministry time at the end. I'm just going to encourage you, come up and get prayer. Even, even, and also, so let me help. We're going to go into ministry time here. We already did the altar call. So uh, if you're not married in here, but you'll apply these relational concepts in all relationships, especially eliminating the four horsemen, you get in community, you do life with people, you, 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 you get rid of your defensiveness. You, you actually begin to work this out with people. The Bible says that we're healed in confession to one another. Some things God's not gonna heal you from. He's got people in your world to help you walk through that. He wants you to do it in community. 
And so single, married, whatever it is, if you'll begin to apply these things, you're gonna see a marriage that flourishes. And as I said before, if you, if you don't think that's important, how you treat your bride is how you're gonna treat his bride. And how you treat his bride is how you're gonna treat your bride. So let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us enough. You love us enough to bring up things to light. Listen, you don't sit under condemnation or judgment here today if you go, man, I've been doing one of these four horsemen or man, my marriage is on the rocks. Whatever place you're coming from, this is not judgment. This is an invitation to allow the Holy Spirit to fix what got broken. So we're gonna close up the service here a minute. I'm gonna have our ministry team up, but if you're here and you're married with your spouse and you you guys are like, hey, let's, let's go pray together. We gotta deal with some stuff. We're gonna open that up. If you're not married, but you're like, ooh, I, uh, I see that I'm off, I'm off kilter and I wanna start to build that kind of person in me. You can come up and get prayer. But let's, let's make sure as a church that we fight for each other and for our community to have healthy marriages. God wants to fall on healthy marriages. God's blessing. In fact, the Bible says that when we're not right with our wife, our prayers are hindered. So God's into it. And he can give you all the tools and all the resources. And he can also begin to take time to develop you so you attract people with that. So if you're single. So God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You love us right now the way we are, but you, your love's so potent, so powerful that you restore what was lost. You heal what was broken. You revive what was dead. So God, for all the marriages in this room right now, I just speak a new life, a new wind coming in. We're gonna have a mission for our marriage. We're gonna value time together. We're gonna do life together. We're gonna, we're gonna have our priorities straight with community in the church and we are going to ruthlessly and savagely eliminate the four horsemen out of our marriages. Thank you, God. And for those in the room, single, God, we just pray an anointing to begin to just a supernatural Holy Spirit, make us healthy. Make us healthy. Help us be healthy. Help us not be silent treatment people. Help us just, just eliminate and deal with some of the hurts that we haven't dealt with so that we go into it with far less stuff we got to work out on the back end. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, today, here's the cool thing with Jesus too. You can ask forgiveness if you feel like you're dropping the ball in this area. You can ask forgiveness and Jesus says, fresh start. And I believe under this anointing that if you're with your spouse today and you need to just say, hey, can we, let's recalibrate. Let's do fresh start. Let's release each other to have that fresh start. Let's go get it. Let's go get what God intended for us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.